Hey, I'm Ryan Wallace. And I'm Zach Wilson. And this is our podcast where we talk about music. Everything from doo-wop to death metal. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of From Doo-Wop to Death Metal. I'm Ryan Wallace. And I'm Zachary Wilson. And today is episode number 13. Lucky 13. And you know what? It's funny, actually, because 13 is probably my second luckiest number. What's your first? Five. Five? And I'll be honest with you, five is just my baseball number. I think 13 is actually my lucky number. I never understood lucky numbers. It's a real thing, man. Is it? Like, I'm telling you, it's odd how many times the number 13 pops up in my life. That's because you're cursed and you're a devil child. It's true. So, sorry. I was born on Friday the 13th. Were you really? Yeah. Well, you're the Antichrist. (laughs) You heard it here first. Ryan Wallace is the Antichrist. Well, I am a redhead, so I don't have a soul. Yep. You just got bad luck. But look at this. Episode number 13, and it is a blessed day for today we talk about... <laughs> the Beatles. The Beatles. You I'm don't so understand. excited. Every day I get a text, when can we talk about the Beatles? That is Ryan. such a freaking text lie. text me, calls me, listen, man, all I did was I just wanted to start this podcast <laughs> so I could talk about the Beatles. I don't care about anything else that we're talking about. Man, that's not even true. In fact, we were going to do a Beatles episode earlier in our in our beginnings, but I was like, nah, I, I want to, I want to get some technique behind the mic. I want to be comfortable. I want to really be able to go at it when we talk about the Beatles. Yeah. But you know what? This one might be kind of an interesting episode because the question I'm going to pose to you might challenge your Beatle fandom. I'm excited. Okay. But first, why don't you tell me a little bit about why you love the Beatles so much? Me personally? Yeah. You personally. Okay, the reason why I love the Beatles so much is because um, I served a... For any listeners that aren't in Utah, this isn't going to make as much sense to you, but to all of our, <laughs> all of our Utah listeners, you'll get it. Um, I served an LDS mission in Florida. And, um, so that's like a service mission. You go out for your church in the name of your church and do service for a couple of years in a different place. Right. Yeah. So we go preached, go do service. It's a great time. I loved it, but I was going through a bit of a rough time and I made good buds with, with this member down there. And he was like, yo, just come over and, uh, I'll teach you guitar. And I was like, I already play guitar. He's like, no, man, I'll teach you guitar. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he's like, and then we'll like do a lesson or whatever if we get around to it. I'm like, we'll talk about Jesus after that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, my guy. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I would go over to his house, I mean, weekly. And uh, he was a Guatemalan dude, Brother Hernandez. And uh, we we would go and he he taught us how to play like Blackbird was the first song he taught us to play. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really... um, I don't know. I was okay with the Beatles, but I I was a metalhead up to that point, and I didn't have a lot of access because they didn't put their stuff on streaming services until I had gotten home. The Beatles. The Beatles, right. So Blackbird was my first introduction to like, oh, wait a second. The Beatles can actually play. Like these aren't oh, yeah. just, this isn't just a boy band that everybody has been telling me for the last 10 years. These dudes can play. And so... I don't know. I think it was a combination of like the comfort that that music brought me at the time going through that rough mental state combined with just realizing that the Beatles make great music. So that's kind of what fed my love. And then I got home and uh, really dug into them and the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah, Blackbird, man, that's one of the best songs ever written. Agreed. And I'll fight anyone who disagrees. Agreed. And you know, there's an old saying about that song that you're not a real guitarist. Until you learn how to play back Blackbird. Really? Yeah. Have you ever heard that? I've never heard that, no. Yeah. So that's one of the first songs. I When I first started, you know, actually realistically playing guitar, that's one of the first songs I had to learn because I was like, I can't, I can't call myself a guitarist unless I know Blackbird. Yeah. Well, the finger picking with your right hand and the movements of your fingers, the pattern that you have to follow on your left hand, it's pretty intricate. It's a tough song. I mean, it's not the toughest song no. in the world, but it's also one of the most cleverly written songs, right? Yeah, agreed. It's just Paul McCartney, who's a bass player, all of a sudden whipped out 
this amazing guitar song, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, and I mean, it wasn't the first time he had done it. You know, Paul McCartney with Yesterday in 65, that still to this day is the most covered song in history. Sure. And arguably John Lennon. See, there, there's this argument among Beatles fans and just among music fans of McCartney or Lennon. And I'm torn day to day on it, but I will say that Paul McCartney wrote Yesterday in 65 and I would dare say Lennon never matched it. And if he did, it was Imagine. Which wasn't the Beatles. Which which wasn't the Beatles. It was just his solo record a year and a half after the Beatles had broken up. Mm. Man, we got to be careful on this episode because this is just going to be tangents if we're not careful. <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, so so let's keep on track. See, we Zach posed the question to me, what, like last week of, of, hey, we should finally do a Beatles episode, but let's go into it with the mindset of of wanting to answer the question, would we still be Beatles fans without the um, so-called brainwashing of, of Beatlemania? Yeah. Do you want to go into more depth on what you meant? Or in different words, being musical people, growing up, you always hear about the Beatles. It's not something that you can escape, really. And you're always told that these guys were the best band to ever live. And so you're just kind of raised with that knowledge. Now, all of a sudden, take that knowledge away. Let's say you were raised under a rock and you never even heard of the Beatles until right now and you listen to their catalog. Would you still be a fan of them? So I, I, I admit I can't take claim for this question. I actually heard this on another podcast that I listened to where the guy, he brought this up. He's like, I don't really like the Beatles. And then he said, I don't think I'd be a fan of them. I don't think they'd be famous unless people, unless it was the, the common knowledge that you should like them, that they should be famous, right? Interesting. Another, uh, kind of backbone to this idea is something that I remember my sister saying years and years ago because she's never really been a huge fan of the Beatles either but because she, she always maintained it's like anybody could have done it music was such in such a uh, in such a volatile place at the time that any band could have come along and done exactly what the Beatles did Ooh. that there's nothing special about the Beatles it's just that they got lucky I will be addressing that for sure so my history with the Beatles is pretty personal, actually. I think I've mentioned before, my dad is a huge musician, right? Huge into music. He's one of the biggest reasons that I'm into music myself. But some of my earliest musical memories are of tagging along to his practices, because when I was a kid, he was in a Beatles cover band. And getting to know those songs from a live setting Really? That's I'd cool. never heard any of those songs on the record until I had heard them live. That's pretty cool. So I think that's kind of a cool, almost prideful. Really unique. Really unique way to get introduced to such a famous band. And I remember going to practice at the neighbor's house. The guitarist in the band, he's lived really close to us, but he is one of the biggest Beatleheads I've ever met in my life, right? Even bigger than yourself. I believe it. This guy, his whole basement was literally a shrine to the Beatles, man. <laughs> Walls plastered with paraphernalia. Everything he could get his hand on, hands on that had to do with the Beatles, he had down there. He had, he was a bass player. Actually, not the guitarist, excuse me. He had the Hofner bass. Oh, cool. Just like Paul. Just like Paul McCartney did. And he actually makes guitars, right? A cool story about this guy. He actually made a bass for Paul McCartney completely from scratch, right? He made a left-handed bass, obviously, and it had a few kind of Easter eggs buried mm. in, the, in, the, in the craftsmanship that alluded to different, you know, things about the Beatles. In the neck, on some of the frets, there were little uh, mother-of-pearl inlays. One of them was the round glasses for... Oh, cool. uh, for Lennon. For Lennon. One of them was a uh, Hindu symbol for George. And then I, I can't remember what the other two were, but it was a symbol representing each member of the Beatles. Yeah. And this guitar was actually given to Paul McCartney when he came and played in Salt Lake. That's awesome. Yeah, it was That's really super cool. cool. So this guy, massive, massive Beatles head, knows everything there is to know about him. And so going to those practices, I was raised just knowing that these guys were important to music. And so I... When I thought of this question that I just posed to you, it really kind of 
it was tough for me to think about because I've never not known a world. Yeah. Arguably my, my experience with the Beatles goes way, way back farther than yours does. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. Not, not that it's a competition or anything, but it's, I've known them my entire life and it's just been a fact. Right. It's like a religion that I grew up with. Well, it's funny you say that because Beatles fans almost do treat it like a religion. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that it's not just Beatles fans, right? Any super fan of a band. Yeah. It's strange. So anyway, yeah, before we, before we answer that question, before we dive too deep into would we still be Beatles fans without the mania behind them, we want to lay some groundwork because it is a little bit hard to fathom. I mean, it took me, shoot, I would say probably three months of research to fully grasp why the Beatles are so important. It's not one of those things that can just, you listen to a Beatles song and it dawns on you, oh my goodness, these are the greatest songwriters to ever live. So we want to go over some things and, and some thoughts on why we think they're where they, where they got to and where they're at currently. Okay. Where do you want to start? I want to start in the, okay, so let's start Ringo days, right? Because that's just an easy starting point. There was a little bit of history with the Beatles before with other drummers and, and other names and whatnot. But oh, let's poor start. Pete Best, man. Poor Pete Best. Always poor forgotten. Pete Best. <laughs> Remember to pour one out for Pete Best, people. Yeah. Yeah. But then we celebrate because we got Ringo. So that- <laughs> Is that something to celebrate about? <laughs> Absolutely. So that's a good starting point is when they get Ringo. And let's just start with Please Please Me, their first record. Mm-hmm incredible stuff and immediately the Beatles were set apart so to give you some context on where they were at the time please please me released in 63 immediately was different and you can go back and I've actually listened to other things that were on the charts don't ask me for names because I don't have them memorized but you can just tell the difference in what the Beatles were doing right especially overseas yeah because America had kind of laid the groundwork already for rock and roll and had some big stars over here, but England hadn't really caught up until the Beatles. And uh, Please Please Me comes out, and they had hits all over the place throughout the whole record. And now fast forward to they've taken over Britain, and they're massive successful, massively successful over there. And they say, okay, now this, this is out of Paul McCartney's mouth. He says... We don't want to go to America until we have a number one hit over there. Yeah. So what what do they do? They release I Want to Hold Your Hand, which immediately shot up on the singles charts to number one. Then they come over here and they play on the Ed Sullivan show, which was huge. That's probably one of the most famous moments in musical history. Yeah. Yeah. Debatably the most. I mean, 75 million watchers. Actually, here's a fun stat for you. It was so massive that the crime rate actually dropped in America <laughs> while they performed. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's how big this performance was. But that's not the only reason that the Beatles were so big. It's just that they got lucky. Especially in America, you're just recovering from the JFK assassination. Yeah. I mean, that was heavy stuff back then. I mean, try to put that in perspective. Modern day, like, presidents just don't get assassinated it just doesn't happen and it can shake a nation especially with how beloved jfk was sure. you know what i mean i mean that dude was bridging gaps and then the day that he was assassinated america just kind of frowned yeah it was just a bummer <laughs> it was a big bummer and you had a lot going on in the south i mean america was kind of in shambles so when was the ed sullivan show Ed Sullivan was in 64, early 64. So JFK got assassinated in November 63. of 63. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say it was February. Just February. a few months later, the Beatles came. And yeah, do you think that had a lot to do with it? The fact that it's, it's kind of like what we've talked about before with post-war optimism in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Something bad just happens and then something good comes along and it's so much, it's perceived to be better. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I've never really thought about it that way. I didn't really put that into perspective. Yeah. I've, I've actually, I'm in a few Beatles groups on Facebook and, uh, I've talked to a few people who were there at the time and very rarely do you come across somebody who was there at the time 
that doesn't mention that as a big th- big reason why they were so big. Yeah, that's super interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. So there were a lot of cultural factors. Look at you as well. opening my eyes. <laughs> yeah. You devil. So in 64, they just blew up, man. That is when Beatlemania was in full force across the world. You know, listener, if you haven't seen the video of Ed Sullivan, that Ed Sullivan performance when the Beatles came over, you do yourself a favor and look it up because it's wild. Yeah. I mean, they, it's been parodied a lot. It's been talked about a lot. You ever seen the music video for Hey Ya by Outkast? Uh-huh. That's kind of parodying mm-hmm. that exact performance, right? The audience was filled with women that were just losing their minds, <laughs> just beside themselves. Just, they could not handle it. Yeah. And I don't, you don't see that kind of behavior so much anymore. No, you don't. I mean, you, you hear the Beatles talk about how, you know, when they were, when they were breaking records, playing stadiums, another big thing about the Beatles, they were the first to do a stadium tour. Yeah. And uh, they talk about Shea Stadium specifically over in New York about how they literally could not hear themselves. So they're just swearing the on stage. Girls. Yeah, yeah, they're just doing whatever they want. Ringo's in the back just trying to watch their their hip movements and the way, the things they're doing to try to keep time. And he did it, that little animal. And I know you're probably thinking like, oh, you go to a Justin Bieber concert and there's girls screaming and crying there, but it's not the same. It's really not. I mean, it looks biblical. <laughs> It's it's almost a little bit creepy. It's like these guys, these women are getting possessed and they start speaking in tongues and the heavens open up and they're, ah, it's like, it's, it's almost scary to watch. Yeah. You know, it definitely is. And to think those were genuine reactions at the time. Yeah. You know, it's like, what, what was going through their heads? Was it, they just needed a release. I think... I mean, we have to remember that th- this was in the day before social media. You know what yeah. I mean? They didn't. And that's kind of twofold, because on one hand, it's even more impressive that the Beatles did what they did because they just didn't have the media to. I mean, these days, anybody anywhere can post something and it could go viral and get three million views in a few hours. And then the next day it's dead. Right. Right. And. So the Beatles were able to maintain success with no sort of social media. But on the flip side, looking at it from a fan's perspective, you didn't really get to see them unless you saw them live. You know, I mean, they would show up in magazines and and obviously there was merch and everybody was pushing like Beatles toys, Beatles memorabilia. Like it was massive, but you didn't get to see them doing what they do unless you were there. Even television wasn't that big back then. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm -mm. So that just came to mind because Lindsay and I just watched it the other night, right? You've really never seen it? I don't even know what it is. Oh, it's a classic, man. George Clooney. Ah, Cloonster. The Cloons. (laughs) So it's set back in 1937 in uh, Mississippi, I believe. Back in the real rural Great Depression era. And it's about, it's based on the Odyssey, the old Mm -hmm. story, but it's about three convicts who are on the chain gang and they escape. And it's them kind of their journeys as they go back and forth trying to evade the law and to find some hidden treasure, right? Yeah. There's one part where they hear that if you go to a radio station and record a song, they'll pay you $10. And so they go and they play Man of Constant Sorrow. You know that song? Uh-uh. I am a man of constant sorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the song. Uh-huh. Yeah. Under the name The Soggy Bottom Boys. Is this real life? Is this based on a true story? or is this No, this is a movie. Oh, okay. But they they cut this record, and then they get paid, and they just needed money to go, go off to do something else, right? But the, behind the scenes, this record starts blowing up. Mm. And this is 1937, so it's kind of the – it's similar – to the story of the Beatles where yeah. it's like, how did they blow up? Right. Where it's just word of mouth. People are going in to buy their record to the point where the end of the movie comes along and they end up stumbling in and somehow playing a concert as the soggy bottom boys. And they start singing that song and the whole crowd kind of freaks out. And they had no idea that the song had even done anything. Really? Yeah. So the crowd starts freaking out because this is all of a sudden one of the biggest songs in the, in the region. Yeah. But they had no idea. 
And so the look in their face is like, what just happened? You know, uh-huh. it's almost, it, you got to wonder if it was kind of the same with the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, obviously not the exact same, but that same kind of feeling, like, how does this happen? I definitely bet there was a shock factor in there. Well, and especially, you know, you, you hear him talk and Paul McCartney, thank goodness, is still with us today. And it's cool to hear him talk in retrospect about it, where he's like, we were just a good band who played good music, you know? We were just a good band? We, we were just four lads from Liverpool. We didn't expect nothing. From Liverpool. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it It's pretty incredible that it happened. But even more so, the sustainability, to me, is what's so incredible about the Beatles. You look at their career, and another reason that they were able to pick up fans, but also keep them, and keep them invested and wanting more, is because each individual album is so vastly different from the from the one previous and the one future. Well, and that's especially impressive when you remember that they put out like two albums per year. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's it's absolutely nuts and and between the albums they were releasing they were releasing two to four singles. <laughs> yeah. I mean just the mass production of these guys was unreal. I mean the the songwriting duo of Lennon McCartney is said to have written over 300 songs together. 300 songs in less than a decade. Yeah. That is bonkers. Well, and like you said, it's the longevity of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously the Beatlemania kind of hit its peak in the early 60s. Right. When they first came over, but it didn't die out. No, see, the Beatles kind of had two peaks, which was what was so incredible because they had the main peak when they came over to America and they just blew up worldwide. And then, you know, you had the Hard Day's Night record paired with the movie that was huge. The movies. You ever watched any of those? I have. Yeah. They're wild. Yeah. They're a good, they're a good watch <laughs> they're, though. They're fun. Uh, they're fun. They're just a classic sixties movie. They're just goofy. And that, you know, that's, a, that's in 64 when that movie comes out. And then in 65, you get the help record paired with the movie, which help wasn't as good or as celebrated as, as a uh, hard day's night, but it was like still help. Good. I do too. I love that record. Yeah. And uh, then the shift See, a lot of people recognize Rubber Soul, which was released on the back end of 65. They recognize that as their first masterpiece. Yeah. You like that record? Yeah. Name some of the songs on it. Uh, You've got Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood, um, Girl, Michelle. So that's the one where they're kind of shifting from the boy band pop into a little bit more artistry. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what Paul McCartney calls the pod album. Okay. This this is when you see, you know, 60 end of 64 into 65 is when you see the Beatles start to experiment with drugs. They kind of get a little bit weird, a little bit edgier. Uh, you know, in 66 you've got well, I think it actually was the tail end of 65 when Lennon made the Beatles are bigger than Jesus comment. So you're definitely starting to see a different side of the fab four that you've never seen before. Yeah, for sure. Drugs are weird, man. <laughs> Drugs are weird. Well, of course, I mean, you hear the name of the record rubber soul, rubber soul. And then you look at the, the, the psychedelic the, writing. Yeah. It's like, okay, something happened. Yeah. Who but, gave them drugs? But it's kind of interesting how, how that shift happened and they were able to not only retain everybody, but gain a whole other fandom with with the artistry you know they they like you said they were no longer a boy band they were artists at this point yeah and then you see the jump from rubber soul which is a very you know they smoked pot with bob dylan so bob dylan and his folk music was a very large influence on rubber soul and then you immediately see them the next year almost go full-on electric with yeah. revolver revolver's a cool record man absolutely incredible I would dare put it as the number one record of all time. Yeah. Name some of the songs on that one. Uh, that one, you've got Taxman. You've got uh, Eleanor Rigby, which is huge. Eleanor Rigby so sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm Only Sleeping is my favorite. That's a Lennon song. Uh, you've got Yellow Submarine. Maybe uh, the best Ringo song ever recorded. Out of what? The three? <laughs> Not many. He had one each record. It's definitely better Except than the song about Noctopus. <laughs> You take that. Back. I wrote a song about an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Poor Ringo. Oh, man, I love Ringo. <laughs> Ringo gets so much freaking hate, dude, but I love that guy. I just want the peace and love. Hey, you know what, though? An important thing to mention about the Beatles and their massive stardom was not only the music, but the personalities that they brought along with it. Yeah, what was Ringo? He was the funny one. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. Let, let me see if I can get it. Okay, okay Ringo was the funny one. Uh, George was the quiet one. Mm-hmm. John was the cute, the smart one. Yep. And then the cute one was old, uh, old Paul McCartney. Old Paul. And boy, is he cute. He's a cute, he's a cute little guy. <laughs> it was just the perfect mix. The perfect mix. So, I mean, to that point, the, the Beatlemania did not end as it should have, right? I no. mean, you look at b- other boy bands, quote unquote boy bands that, you know, they flame out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Even NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys in the early 90s, they didn't, they didn't last very long. And they still had people that like them, but it's it's nowhere near the mania that they had in that first yeah. big boom of their records. And One Direction a little bit more recently. Yeah. They stopped, they stopped having the mania behind that, and now they broke up. Yep. But the Beatles, they had the mania and then shifted into a new mania and never, never lost status at all. Right. Now... The Beatles' career only lasted 10 years. I think that's, that's one fact that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, and if you, if you go record to release, first record to release to end, it's not even a decade. It's seven years. Yeah, I mean, they broke up in 1970, mm-hmm. and the mania persisted Yes, after their breakup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, each member went off and did their own solo stuff. Ringo did who knows what, but the rest of them did something. Right. Did Ringo have solo stuff? Uh huh. Was it good? Uh. Was it all about octopuses? Nah. He, mm, I don't talk about Ringo's solo stuff because I love the man, so I don't want to say anything bad about him. Oh, poor Ringo. <laughs> yeah, you know the th- another thing that added to why they, especially after their career, why why people were wanting for it so bad is because in '66 you see them stop playing live. Yeah. Which was a big deal back then. Sure. And 67, you get the release of Sgt. Pepper, which is often regarded by most people as the most important record of all time. Uh-huh. And that br- they were able to bridge a gap with that record between the new generation of hippies and beats and the old generation of grandmas. You know, you hear Lennon called Paul McCartney's songs of that era granny music. The granny music. <laughs> and it, that's for a reason. And then, you know, after Sgt. Pepper, that really took a toll on him. Sorry, we're, we're dragging on here for a sec. But it really took a toll on him because it was so much recording, not really playing as a band. It was a, it was a, it was a hard time for him. And then in 68, Yoko comes in the picture. We won't touch on her all that much, but the White Album was very messy recording-wise. I think they only recorded about half of the record all together as a band. Yeah. It just got ugly. And then the Let It Be session, sessions, which you can actually watch a lot of the Let It Be sessions now on the Get Back documentary it's on real Disney+. Awkward. Plus. 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's It's a fun watch. I mean, a lot of casual listeners might find it a little boring. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Beatles fan at all, it's fun to watch the process. Right. But you can see how ugly that was. And then they come out with the swan song of Abbey Road, which is arguably the best swan song that a band has ever had. Is that their final album? Let It Be technically came out after, but it was recorded before. Okay. And so Abbey Road is considered the swan song. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, Abbey Road's probably my favorite. Yeah. It's a great record. So the argument I always make when people talk bad about the Beatles, I ask them, okay, what kind of music do you like? And like, let's say that they say, oh, I like Black Sabbath, right? It's like, okay, well, Black Sabbath wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the Beatles. Just look at how much Ozzy Osbourne worships the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, every single band, whether they know it or not, can tie their influence train Back to the Beatles. Absolutely. Someone that they that influenced them was influenced by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. No matter what genre of music, no matter who's singing it, a lot of people think that the Beatles invented punk rock with Helter Skelter. And heavy metal. And heavy metal. 
so it's like every everything everything goes back to that, right? So of course, I don't think it's really an argument that they were the most important band in musical history, right? Is that right. is that safe to say? Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think now's a perfect time to tie it back to our original question: Would you, Ryan Wallace, like their music if it wasn't f- for knowing that history? My answer is yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's honestly, like, I want you to be honest with yourself here. And, you, and you're not going to insult the Beatles. You're not going to put any bad vibes out into the universe. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually have a good reason for my answer. It's not just, oh, it's because the Beatles are phenomenal. Of course I'd like them. Yeah. My reasoning for liking the Beatles, even without the uh, brainwashing, is because I'm kind of a retro dude. I love the 60s, I love the 70s, and I'm constantly hunting for music from that day that speaks to me. And, I mean, even just music that's half decent. You could throw me a a 5 out of 10 song from the 60s, and I'm going to like it more than an 8 out of 10 song modern day. Just, Just because of my biases towards the generation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. So, my love for the Beatles is also tied into the era rather than just the Beatles themselves. And the culture. And the culture. And so, I mean, let's say, just for argument's sake, that the Rolling Stones were regarded as the greatest band of all time, the most influential band of all time, which, you know, the Rolling Stones have their weird, awkward little cult that still goes out there and fights for them on the front lines, saying, no, the Stones are better than the Beatles. Stones are great. Stones are great, but they ain't the Beatles. Nope. It was Mick Jagger who even said the Beatles were so massive that you couldn't even compete. It wasn't even competitive. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for me to find music from the 60s that even holds a candle with the Beatles. And my point with that is these guys really are the real deal. You know? Yeah. It's It's not just people were brainwashed or it was a cult. I mean, these dudes were incredible songwriters. And so I think regardless of anything, I would like to believe that as a music lover, I'd be able to listen to that. Even if they were just some underground band, I'd like to think that if I found them somewhere on the YouTubes that I would hear that and think, this is phenomenal. Why are these, why are these guys not better known? Yeah. And, you know, I think that's kind of the conclusion that I ran into as well, where me being a music lover and being the kind of person that really listens to the music that is presented to them, I, I probably would have recognized something special about their musicianship and about their songwriting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, I hear the bass line of, of uh, Come Together, and I, I had to stop what I'm doing because it's yeah. just so perfectly done. Mm-hmm. So simple, but it's so perfect, right? And maybe that's me being brainwashed. Maybe so. But for non-music lovers, I think it would be different. So, Really? Have you ever seen the movie Yesterday? Uh-huh. So the premise of this movie is there's this guy named Jack. He's a modern-day musician, plays guitar and sings, and he's kind of just struggling. He's trying to break out into the scene and trying to make a name for himself, but is not really going anywhere. So he, he decides to give up his musical career, and then that same night, he gets hit by a bus, okay? And when he wakes up from his bus accident, all of a sudden, he's the only person in the world who can remember the Beatles. Kind of a ridiculous premise, but it's just, it's, it's just like a big what-if situation, right? So one of the most memorable moments is he's playing guitar, he's hanging out with his friends, and they tell him, hey, play us a song on the guitar. And he starts playing Yesterday which is probably one of the most beautiful songs ever written. And his friends are just blown away. Like, when did you write this? And he's like, I didn't write this. Paul McCartney wrote it. And so he eventually gets to the point where he remembers all the Beatles music and starts writing and recording it as his own because nobody else remembers it. And he becomes the biggest artist in the world very quickly. Right? Uh So do you think that's what would have happened? In that movie? Yeah. No. No, I don't I don't I don't think so no. either. Because as beautiful as the Beatles music is, it is not what would have been popular today. Right. I think he would have, you know, got some success, but nowhere near 
what it would have deserved. I think Nowhere he, near what it showed in the movie. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think he would have been a millionaire, but I don't, I, I don't know how much that says about an artist, you know what I mean? But I, I think he would have reached that level of success. But no, I'm, I'm totally with you. The, the Beatles music is a product of its generation, mm-hmm. and it's meant to be celebrated as such, yeah. especially the 60s, such, a, such an interesting time. If you had never heard Beatles music and you'd never heard of some more modern, very well-written music, I don't think you would pick one over the other, you know? I don't think that people nowadays would hear Beatles music like, I want to hold your hand and freak out. That's just yeah. not the way it would work. There definitely wouldn't be the pandemon- pandemonium surrounding it. Yeah. So it was kind of silly almost. That movie, that was the biggest implausibility of it. Not the, not the fact that the world all of a sudden forget the Beatles, <laughs> but the fact that he's up there playing, help, I need somebody, help, and everyone's losing their minds like yeah. they were doing in the 60s. It's like, that's that's not the kind of culture we live in today. So I think, yeah, if you were to drop a music lover in a room who had never heard any music before, but for somehow they play instruments, they love music, and they never heard the Beatles before, and you play them, they'd be like, yeah, this is great. Uh huh. I don't think that they would fall in love with it. R- music lovers, even. You're going you're gonna to go there. I mean, there's plenty of wonderful songwriters out there that you, or, uh, you and I would listen to and be like, yeah, this is good. I'm not in love with it. Sure, sure. I would dare say, though, you throw your average music lover in a room with the Beatles, I think they'd be converted. I think they'd love them. Yeah, but would they give it the chance to be converted? I think so. I do. I really do. Because even though modern day, it wouldn't have the pandemonium that it had in the 60s, I think if you, if you can even slightly recognize musical talent, I really do believe that if, if you had never heard the Beatles and you heard, let's say, Dear Prudence, Right, just kind of a like it's on the White Album. It's a I would I would say lesser known Beatles song. Mm-hmm. I think as a music lover, you hear that you hear the intricacies on the bass, the guitar, the vocals, everything working together. There's no way you don't love it. Okay, but my my point, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, right? If you actually sit down and listen to it, there's no way you wouldn't love it. But would people give it the chance? Oh, okay. So you're saying, are they even going to seek it out? Are they even going to seek it out? Okay. Or will it, will it stand out, I guess? Which in itself is a hard question because most yeah. of the music that it would blend in with is because of them, right? Right. But let's, I mean, let's take that point and put it aside. Right. Would people be able to find good music within the Beatles if they weren't, sh- if it wasn't shoved down their throats their whole lives? Because arguably there are, Stuff that is just as intricate, just as well written out there, that is so unknown that people just don't give a second chance. Mm-hmm. That's the question. Hmm. See? That's where it gets mm. tough. Th- this is tough. This is tough. Because it's hard to even fathom a world where the Beatles are unknown. You know, it's, it's hard to even think about that. You want to know what I, I think would happen with the Beatles if that were the case? If they didn't blow up in the 60s? but still made all the same music that they made. Uh-huh. I'm willing to bet that during one of the uh one of the psychedelic revolutions, you know, like you kind of had in the 90s with Molly. Yeah. I think during one of those times or even more modern day actually with with uh like DMT and like T- Tame Impala being one of the big kind of psychedelic pop groups of of Stuff the time. Stuff like Mac DeMarco. Yeah. Or uh, Sufjan Stevens, stuff like that. Yeah. Real deep singer-songwriter stuff. Well, I'm not even going there, really. Just uh, psychedelic roots, you know? Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Psychedelic folk. There's a lot yeah. of psychedelic folk yeah. out there. Yeah, I think during one of those resurgences, I think the Beatles would have been found and would have been one of these bands kind of a little bit like the Velvet Underground. You know, they were moderately appreciated in their day Uh but the hipsters eventually found them in the 80s and they're like whoa yeah where have you guys been they were ahead of their time yeah i'm willing to bet that something like that would have happened with the beatles at some point in time it's just that their catalog man i mean 
And not only their phenomenal catalog, but you have three of, I mean, I would put Paul McCartney, John Lennon, and George Harrison in the top 10 singer-songwriters of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd put them all there. I would too. And I'd put John Lennon, Paul McCartney, one, two. Either one could be either place. Paul McCartney is better. Yeah, it's an argument for sure. Lennon's deeper, but McCartney's got those got those melodies down. And so with that being said, I just think that there's too much talent. There's too much material. I mean, we actually talked about this just a little while ago when I went I went through the Beatles catalog after the Get Back session. I had listened to it all the way through before, obviously, but I went through and I got like weirdly obsessed and listened from front to back, back to front. <laughs> All of the singles separately. I even, guys, this is how weird I got within the Beatles world. I made a hypothetical record of all of their singles of what I thought would have made the best record as a conglomerate of their career. Yeah, I think that's cool. And uh, I think through all of that studying, I think I went a little bit on the on the other end of like, these guys are untouchable. They're absolutely untouchable. Yeah. But even even with that being said, even without going too far, you listen to their catalog from front to back, and it's just unreal the amount of stuff that's in there. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, that's the hard part, right? Is obviously there's something special about them. You can't argue that. There's something special about a lot of bands, though. Yeah, you know that have never even come close to the same level of fame and notoriety that the Beatles have. So one point I do want to make really quick, and then I have a question for you. I going back to, was it your friend or your sister who mentioned that the Beatles got lucky? Anybody yeah, else sister, could have done yeah. it? Your sister. My thing with that is I don't believe that to be true. Okay. Because up to that point, it hadn't happened. And I do not believe that Let's say the Rolling Stones, right? Because they were the runners up next to the Beatles. Sure. The the Rolling Stones couldn't have done it without the Beatles. No, I agree. The the thing that was so special about the Beatles and I've already mentioned this but the three songwriters, the diversity that you got within the Beatles. I mean, you know how it is even playing in a band just from songwriter to songwriter, even within the same band, you can get vastly different songs. Mhm. And so not only was each record incredibly different from the next, but each song within the record, you're like, ah, classic Lennon. The next song, it's like, ah, McCartney back at it with a cheesy love song. And then George Harrison comes in with a freaking sitar. And it's like, <laughs> bro, how much acid you been dropping, dog? It was just bonkers what they were able to do in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think anybody could have done it with the Beatles, but I think because the Beatles did it, they ushered in a new wave of creativity that, who knows, maybe somebody would have done it 10 years later, but I don't think they would have touched it in the 60s. Okay, another argument, and this maybe we're getting a little bit too late in the episode to bring this up, but you know, all that inventive stuff with the sitar Mm -hmm. and when they really start getting deep into songwriting, would they have gotten that far if it wasn't for the initial Beatlemania? No. I don't think so either. Absolutely not. Because they were almost given artistic freedom mm-hmm. because of their success. The Beatles sold out backwards from everybody else. You yeah. know, a prime example being Metallica. You know, they start out as these long haired, cut up jeans, just dirty mother effers up on stage. And then, you know, you get the Black Album and, and they sell out huge load and reload. They cut their hair. It was a big deal. Uh huh. The Beatles were the exact opposite, where Brian Epstein came in and, and jumped in as manager, and he was like, hey, uh, lads, what are we doing here, y'all? You got to cut your hair, boys. You got to put on a suit. And so that's what they did. They cut their hair, they put on a suit, and they sang silly love songs to women. Uh-huh. And it worked out great for him. and eventually, and it had to have been Lennon, because it's Lennon. You know, he, he stepped up and he said, guys, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I want to go out. I want to write real music. I want to do a crap ton of drugs. I want to get zooted out of my mind and write some (laughs) songs about floating upstream in a river. Revolution number nine. (laughs) My goodness. Number nine. Don't listen to that with the lights off. 
Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, they they were definitely afforded a certain level of creativity that was pretty unheard of back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, people like Stevie Wonder had the same thing, but it was really reserved for those that were really something special. Yeah, absolutely. Nowadays, you can get creative freedom all you want because most people are independent. Back then, the record label dictated every single thing that you did. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say, no, we're going to do it this way was something extremely special. Well, you know, Hey Jude is an eight-minute song. And the record company came out and said, eight minutes for a single? Yeah. Are you guys out of your freaking mind? They're not going to play this on the radio. Lennon looks at him and says, sure they, they will if it's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of the conclusion that I ran into with all this is that I don't, I don't agree that they got lucky, but I do agree that a lot of it was forces beyond their own. It's like you said, the world was in desperate need of something. There was a massive vacuum. Whether people recognized it or not, there was a massive vacuum that needed to be filled with something new and something innovative. Mm -hmm. So if the Beatles didn't fill that, somebody else would have done it. I guarantee it. And At that exact time? At that exact time. Interesting. And so to think about that, we'd be sitting here having a conversation about some other band. So do you think, I don't necessarily disagree that somebody could have stepped in and ushered a wave of creativity, but do you think that somebody could have come in and, I don't want to say exactly replace the Beatles, but let's say achieve the same amount of success, longevity, and lore surrounding them? Do you think somebody could have done that? Absolutely. Really? That's exactly my point I'm making, is that somebody else would have done it and had the same amount of success. And the same amount of influence, but the musical world would be completely different sure. because of it. Yeah. So that's another, that's like an alternate universe type thing, right? Where everything is completely different. Another one of the biggest flaws of that yesterday movie is all of a sudden the Beatles are wiped out of the face of the earth, but every single band that was influenced by the Beatles is still there. Except for Oasis. Except for Oasis. That, yeah. was, like, that was like the big one where he Googles Oasis and they're nowhere to be found. Exactly. Which they pretty much just tried to be the Beatles. Uh-huh. So that makes sense. Right. But yeah, it's like that. None, not a single popular band would be here today without them. That's a very interesting point. So somebody else would have come along. Because the world was hungry for someone to worship. Popular music needed something right then. There was a power vacuum. Mm -hmm. Somebody else would have come along and done it. And the funny thing is, is we'll never know if they would have done it as well as the Beatles had. Right. Because how can you know that? You know? But I guarantee you we'd be talking about them right now. And we'd be listening to some other, something completely different. Isn't it strange that even the Beatles' name is so like groundbreaking, you know, cause up, up to that point it was buddy Holly and the crickets, you know, yeah. it was so-and-so and the so-and-sos uh-huh. and the Beatles came in and, you know, long John and long John and the silver Beatles was, was one of the names, but basically Paul McCartney's like, no, no, come on. We're equals here. Let's, let's do this thing. Right. So even the name, just everything down to the nitty gritty, it's bonkers when you dive into the history and realize how groundbreaking every single move was yeah but it wasn't groundbreaking for them at the time right they were just doing right. what they felt was right mm-hmm. and we consider it groundbreaking because they did it exactly it's like a weird chicken in the egg thing mm-hmm. so that's what makes this argument so hard is <laughs> who would have come along and done the same thing i have my theories but but we'll we'll, we'll save that because it's a long theory yeah I mean, maybe that's another episode, right? Yeah. I do want to ask you, though. I know we're we're late, but I do want to ask you, who do you think came the closest to the Beatles? As far as influence or as far as like songwriting prowess? Ooh. I would say just as, as far as like everything. Like if you could just pick a band who came the closest to matching what the Beatles were able to do, who would you say? Hmm. You know, my initial gut reaction is to say Daft Punk. Really? Yeah. Okay. I might get hate for that. That's my opinion, right? I don't think you're wrong. I mean, there is no wrong or right, but... Daft Punk. It's like the Beatles were the most influential band in rock and pop. Daft Punk has been the most influential band in electronica by far. And they, with each new release, they kind of shifted the way 
that electronic and house music was. So I think as far as the influence and the songwriting and the saying, okay, this is how we're going to do things, I think Daft Punk is the closest band that's ever gotten to that same level, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think I'm wrong? Uh, no, I can see your... I, I have my own opinion. What's your opinion? I'm kind of split between two bands. Okay. Um, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin for two completely different reasons. Well, that's what's hard is because it depends on the genre. I know. Every genre kind of has their Beatles. Their Beatles, yeah. Which is super cool. See, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think Sabbath, is they're pretty comparable to the Beatles in the way that, you know, Tony Iommi came in and introduced a completely new way to play the guitar. Yeah. And they basically single-handedly introduced heavy metal to the world and mm-hmm. made it a popular genre. See, another one I was thinking was ACDC. Oh. Because they kind of were the prototypical rockers. Yeah. You know, they kind of started like the rock. Like this is mm-hmm. this is the bad boy rock that <laughs> that becomes. I mean, obviously there's been other bands that do it before them, but they are probably the most famous to come along and say like, this is what rock and roll is. Yeah. You know? Revivalists in a way. Yeah, because they, they were really influenced by, obviously, by the Rolling Stones. And their debauchery. Mm-hmm. But then you get Bon Scott in there, who's just a nut job. A beast. He's awesome. Missed that guy. But yeah, that's an interesting question. So I think we're going to wrap this up. We're getting a little short on time, but we want to hear from you guys. Why don't you guys write us in and tell us what band you think would have replaced the Beatles had the Beatles not been there? Or... On the other side of the coin, just the question that we answered ourselves, what band do you think has come closest to the level of influence that the Beatles has had? Guys, thank you for letting me finally nerd out about the Beatles. This episode was definitely a bit long-winded, but it just had to be done, man. I've been holding off for 13 weeks now. So thank you for cutting me some slack. And as always, find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, at Duop to Death Metal. And Twitter, at from DW to DM. And I got to tell you, man, we got to get some Twitter followers because I'm not like a Twitter guy. So even though I'm running the social media, I'm not on Twitter all that often. See, I'm the wrong person to ask. That stuff is so foreign to me. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, listen to the Beatles. If you're one of those people that are holding out that don't really know much about the Beatles, just do it, man. Just dive in. Dive in. Dive in. Don't look back. Drop Here. some acid and just listen to the Beatles. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. We don't condone drug use. I want to make that very clear. Thank you for listening. Best way to show your support if you like the show is to give us a like or a good review or a subscription. Or tell a friend. Yeah. Word of mouth is huge amongst entertainment. But as always, we love you guys and we will catch you next week. See you soon.